Poker Tov, good morning, everyone. Glad to be with you on this beautiful, glorious, amazing uh, day. It is the bright and sunny Yom Rishon, first day of the week. The start of what I pray is a beautiful week for you. A, a time of joy and good news as we are working our way towards the uh, Jewish New Year, 5780. Soon, just a few, uh, a couple of weeks, I guess, coming upon the 40 days of Shuba, which is going to be an amazing time. Welcome to the Aliyah Day. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to welcome you. I am Rabbi Mordecai Griffin, the uh, rabbi of Sarshalom Synagogue right here in Saginaw, Texas, the founder of the Judaism, and this is the Aliyah Day, in which we work our way through the Parsha Aliyah, Aliyah by Aliyah. Um, if you are new to the channel, please subscribe, and don't forget to click the little bell button so that you stay up to date on all the amazing content that we have that comes out, and also please sure, be sure and like uh, this video on the YouTube uh, channel. That would be a huge, huge help to uh, help us out here. So we're going to be looking at the new PowerShot for the week, PowerShot Ekev. You're going to learn some uh, really incredible insights today that have to do with uh, the value of Torah, avoiding idolatry, uh, looking at what it means to uh, not live by bread alone, etc. And it's going to just continue all week long. Do not miss any of the uh, Aliyah Day segments because it's going to be amazing. This is a wonderful, wonderful power shop. We are going to be on the uh, page 981. We'll start there of the article homage. If you have the article homage, you'll be found uh, on page 981. This is going to begin in Capitulo uh, 7. I just, just lost the word in Spanish. Chapter 7 and verse 12 is where we, where we will begin reading. If I can talk, says Ramachan. And we'll get right to it. So here we go. Parasha Ekev, verse 12. This shall be reward when you hearken to the ordinances and you observe and perform them. Adonai, your God, will safeguard you the covenant and the kindness that he swore to your forefathers. Now, uh, there is a condition here. just want to make mention because uh, it does say that God is going to give us reward. Why is he going to give us reward? Because we're keeping the covenant. There is a condition. Verse 13. He will love you, bless you, and multiply you, and he will bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your grain, your wine, your oil, the offspring of your cattle, and the flocks of your sheep and goats, and the land that he swore to your forefathers to give you. You will be the most blessed of all the peoples. There will be no infertile male or infertile female among you or among your animals. Adonai will remove from you every illness and all the bad maladies of Egypt that you do. He will not put them upon you, but will put them upon all your foes. <clears throat> you will devour all the people that Adonai your God will devour to you. Your eyes, your eyes shall not pity them. You shall not worship their gods, for it is a snare to you. So it's pretty incredible, right? Hashem is saying to us, if we follow the mitzvah, if we follow all of God's Torah, and all these amazing blessings are going to follow uh, and, and, and really overtake us. So the, uh, the question becomes, why do we resist? If this is what God is uh, telling us, if this is what God is 
uh, teaching us. Why are we resisting it? I don't know. doesn't make much sense, does it? You know, I think pretty much people agree, uh, people who follow the Shia agree, that if you look at Jews historically, if you look at Israel in our modern time, everybody agrees that Israel is a phenomenally blessed people, a blessed nation. And, uh, I mean, the, the Six-Day War, the Yom Kippur War, that just to give two uh, modern examples. And so the question becomes, if you're looking at a people, if you're looking at a nation uh, that historically has been very blessed, now granted, you know, there's the Holocaust, there's pogroms, there's things of that nature, but even despite all of that, nobody can destroy us. Nobody can kill us. Everywhere we go, where we have freedom, we prosper. So if you're looking at us and you're saying, wow, that's amazing, Israel is so blessed, my question to you is, why don't you join us? Why do you just look on and say, wow, what a blessed people? And I realize that a lot of the reasons that you don't join us is because no one has ever told you that you can, nor have they told you that you should. Verse 17, perhaps you will say in your heart, these nations are more numerous than I. How will I be able to drive them out? Verse 18, do not fear them. You shall remember what Almighty God did to Pharaoh, and to all of Egypt, the great test that your eyes saw, the signs of wonders, the strong hand, and the outstretched arm with which Adonai, your God, took you out. So Adonai, your God, uh, so shall Adonai, your God, do to all the people before whom you fear. Also the hornet swarm will Adonai, your God, send among them until the survivors are hidden, and hidden ones perish before you. You shall not be broken before them, for Adonai, your God, is among you. A great and awesome God. Verse 22. And Adonai your God will thrust these nations from before you. Little by little you will not be able to annihilate them quickly. Lest the beasts of the field increase against you. You know it's a very important verse. That Hashem grows us little by little. There is a phenomenon. And this is to, this is a an encouragement, a warning, if you will, to all those who begin to uh, join Lapid Judaism and so on. And this is a phenomenon, by the way, that is universal among Balshuva, Abraham's converts, etc. Uh, rabbi, what's the rabbi's name? Rabbi, what's his name? I looked at look over there. Rabbi Steinfeld. Rabbi Steinfeld, who is the uh, the editor of the Koran Talmud. He writes about this book he has on And he talks about the fact that what happens is that people come back to Judaism or they become converts, they come from secular environment, however they're coming into the Jewish world. A lot of times what they try to do is they try to just uh, take upon all the mitzvahs. They try to become a super Jew, so to speak, overnight. And it, nine times out of ten, has a detrimental effect and unfortunately often leads to the person just giving up altogether because it's so overwhelming. And this verse is something we can take to heart about that concept that when Hashem brings us, it's little by little. So do little by little. Focus on one mitzvah, get that mitzvah down, go to the next mitzvah, get that mitzvah down, little by little growing. That's how you do things health-wide. Because if we try to take over the whole land all at once, we're not prepared to do that. And so what's going to happen is that wild beasts and maybe some of our enemies will come in. 
at our weak points. And so this is just something to remember, to take it slow and take it easy. We tell people to focus on a couple of things when you come in. Focus on starting to change your diet to a, an actual kosher diet, like every, uh, you know, to start kosher in your kitchen, start observing the Sabbath, start focusing on the, on the festivals, and let everything grow from there. Adonai, your God, it says in verse 23, will deliver them before you and will confound them with great confusion until their destruction. He will deliver their kings into your hand, and you shall cause their name to perish from under the heavens. No man will stand up against you until you have destroyed them. Let's see, uh, the carved images of their gods, verse 25. We're going to spend some time on this, the Dradashim with Mehmet. The carved images of their gods, you shall burn in the fire. You shall not covet and take for yourself the silver and the gold that is upon them, lest you be ensnared by them. For it is an abomination of Adonai, your God. So we're not allowed <coughs> to benefit from them um, at all. Okay, We're not allowed to keep the little ornaments. We talked about this last week. We're going to be talking about it today in more detail. But I want to point out, it says that these little things, these things that a lot of times people think innocuous. You know, we can just take the little uh, statue. We can take the, the, the decorated tree. We can take these symbols. Really not a big deal. We just take them in there. We like them. They're kind of cute. There's a lot of nostalgia. What we don't realize is that everything from paganism, no matter what it is, is an abomination to God. As it says on you. Now, what's the word abomination used here? I'm glad you asked. It says in the Hebrew. Let me just read the phrase. Ki toevat. So the word there is toevat, which is also, of course, and the singular, a toeva. Now, the word toeva there is the same word that's used in Deuteronomy 14 to talk about the unkosher food. Unkosher food is also, God calls it, an abomination. The word toeva. Well, this word is also used in the book of Leviticus to talk about homosexuality. So, we have a connection here that unkosher food, homosexuality, and objects related to idolatry are all an abomination. They're all related. So you're talking about, I'm, I'm most people, although homosexuality is becoming very popular today, even among the believers, but most people would agree that homosexuality is not of God, right? It's a sin. It's not allowed. It's an abomination. A lot of people agree on that, but they don't realize that that also applies to unkosher food. It also applies to objects of idolatry. That are used in pagan ceremonies, pagan celebrations, celebrations that are not from Shem. Those are all toeva. Uh, uh, so anyway, it says in verse 26, And you shall not bring an abomination into your house. You should not bring that abomination. So there is there is that phrase again. You shall not bring the abomination, that is that word again, toeva, into your house. You're not allowed to bring it. Why? What well, it says here. You should not bring the abomination to your house and become banned like it. So the, the fact of the matter is, is that we can bring something into our house and we say, well, I'm not worshiping it. It doesn't matter. When that happens, then we, like it, become banned. In another translation, it says set apart for destruction. Anyway, it says you shall surely loathe it. 
and you shall surely abominate it, for it is banned. Um, we are actually to, uh, well, as to use the phrase here, or the word rather, to loathe idolatry. We're to really, really, really find it disgusting. Not to just accept it as okay. Alright, chapter 8, verse 1. This is, uh, we're almost uh, complete with our reading. It says, The entire commandment that I command you today, you shall observe to perform so that you may live and increase and come to possess the land that Adonai, your father swore, Adonai swore to your fathers. Now, I want to point out, again, we mentioned this last week because it came up last week. There, in verse in verse 1 of chapter 8, we have the phrase, It says this entire commandment, which is interesting because Hashem is talking here about all of his commandments. But yet, he says in this phrase, just like we said last week, He uses the, the singular commandment when he's talking about the commandments. And this is not to be overlooked. Because we have to understand from God's point of view, all of his commandments are echad. They're one commandment. We're not allowed to pick and choose the ones we like and the ones we don't like. That's the message. I just want to point this out, because in this particular section, we're about to read something that's very familiar to most of us, and it's quoted, in fact, by Yeshua, which is why it's familiar to most of us. But anyway, the entire commandment that I command you today, you shall observe to perform, so that you may live and increase. Who wants, raise your hand out there, let me see you, let me see you raise your hand if you want to live and increase. Most of those of you who didn't raise your hand, you need to call this vacant you want to live and increase and come and possess the land that Adonai swore to your forefathers, you shall remember the entire road on which Adonai your God led you these 40 years of the wilderness so that so that to afflict you, to test you, to know what is in your heart, whether you would observe his commandments or not. Life is a test. Life is a test to see if you're going to obey his commandments or not. I want to take a brief second here to share a testimony. I'm going to be very vague with the details because I, I don't want to give anything away. But there is somebody that's a member of our, our movement here who had a important um, mandatory event coming up with their uh, employer. The only problem was is that this particular event was going to occur on Rosh Hashanah. So the person uh, sent emails to HR, and apparently over the last few months has been having a discussion with HR explaining to them that they're not, they're not going to be able to attend this mandatory uh, event because it's on Rosh Hashanah. Um, and so this person, uh, as far as I know, could, could be wrong, is one, perhaps the only one within the organization who is Jewish, or perhaps one of the very few, um, who's observant maybe, I don't know, but anyway, the point being is that uh, they just kept persisting, and there was a back and forth with HR trying to explain the situation, and so just last week, uh, this uh, employer, this huge employer with many, many thousands of employees changed the date of this event 
in order to avoid Rosh Hashanah. Rightfully so. It was appropriate for them to do that and, and so on. But the point was, because of this person's persistence, there was a huge uh, logistical, mon in, in their words, to me, was a logistical mon monstrosity to, to change this event. But yet, they did so. And so, it is a huge blessing, and God bless the employer. May they prosper in everything they do for being willing to, to yield to what is right and fair. And yet, at the same time, for the person, it was a wonderful test of their amona. Are they going to persist, or are they just going to fear man? Because it was a very big deal. I don't want to get into the details of what the event involved, because I don't... It, it, that's not the point. But for the individual, there was a lot. There was a lot to lose if, if uh, you know, you don't want to. You don't want to upset the apple cart. Let's put it that way. A lot to lose. A lot on the line. And yet the person was like, I just, I, I'm not going to be able to do that. And so rather than surrender to fear, they persisted, and life is a test to see. God wanted to see in this person's heart. Are you, what are you doing? I just want to know, is this for real or not? The person was like, it's for real. And as a result of that, this huge employer, many thousands of uh, employees, changed everything because of one person's employment and physical. Let me tell you something. That is huge. Quote the president, that's a big deal. Verse 3. He afflicted you and let you hunger. Then he fed you manner that you did not know, nor did your forefathers know, in order to make you know that not by bread alone does man live, rather by everything that emanates from the mouth of God does man live. That, of course, is a famous quotation by Yeshua talking to the Hasatan Kartini. Your garments did not wear out upon you, and your feet did not swell these forty years. You should know in your heart that just as the Father will chastise his son, so Adonai your God will chastise you. You shall observe the commandments of Adonai your God to go in all his ways and fear him. For Adonai your God is bringing you to a good land, a land with streams of water, springs and underground water coming forth in valleys and mountains, a land of wheat, barley, grapes, fig, and pomegranate, a land of oil, olives, of date honey, a land where you will eat bread without poverty, you will lack nothing there, a land whose stones are iron, and from whose mountains you will mine copper. You will eat, and you will be satisfied, and bless Adonai your God for the good land that he has given you. That, my friends, of course, is the very basis for the Birkat Tamazon blessing we say when we eat meals that include bread. Now, to get right to some insights, I want to quickly share something from uh, the Gutna Kumash with respect to the meaning of, of this Akiv itself. And what does the word mean that, that stands out here at our, at our opening word? It says, the word Akiv literally means because or as a result of. That is, as a result of your listening to these laws. But a further meaning it says here of the word Akiv is it means heal. So in this context, we have a couple of invocations that are being pointed out here that we should be careful in observing even the relatively minor commandments which might be tempt we might be tempted to trample under our heel. This is according to Rashi. 
And the second implication is that the sages refer to the period just before the coming of the Messiah as the heel of Mashiach. And so the Zemach Zedek explains that our verse alludes to the pre-Messianic era when the Jewish people will eventually listen to these laws and return to God. So the point is that I want to bring that out because we're, we, we, everybody agrees within Judaism, everybody agrees that we are presently in the footsteps of Mashiach. And this verse is te- this, this opening verse, I should say, is teaching us Akiv that when we obey God's commandments, we are going to see tremendous blessings. And the word heal is meant to imply that instead of looking at the, the mitzvot and trying to decide which ones are important and which ones are not, which ones have value and which ones don't, and thereby keeping the ones that have value and kind of forgetting or altogether, uh, God forbid, eliminating the ones that in our own mind don't have value, which, by the way, is the ultimate... That, that whole the dialogue about this law is for today and that law is not, that is the ultimate ideology, my friend. Because that makes us Hashem. That makes us Hashem. Whenever we say, well, this is a mitzvah, that's not, that makes us Hashem. We're, we are not Hashem. But what it's saying here is that in this era, what's going to happen is that the Jewish people are going to look at the commandments and they're going to cease to make a, a distinction between one and the other and they're going to begin to follow them with their with one whole heart and that is when we know that Mashiach is on its way. I'm telling you right now, that's happening with the Lakeith movement today because people more and more are saying, you know what? I'm coming back to Messiah. I'm coming back to the true faith of Messiah. I'm no longer going to make distinctions about what I think is right or what I think isn't right. I'm going to begin following Hashem with my whole heart, and my friend, that's when we know Mashiach is on its way. Now, a couple of thoughts here from Mayam Loez with respect to the laws of idolatry. We'll probably take us most likely to the conclusion of our time together. We'll obviously pick it up again tomorrow. It says in verse 26 of chapter 7, You must not bring an, an abhorrent thing into your house, or you will be pers- uh, prescribed like it. You'll be abhorred or banned like it. You must reject it as an abomination and abhorrent. Okay? So it says, Mamelot says, The prohibition against renting one's house to a pagan because he might introduce idol worship into it is derived from this verse. This, however, was a matter of dispute among our sages. Uh, the Torah states that you will be prescribed like it, emphasizing to Israel that it is forbidden to derive any benefit from idolatry. So there's a discussion about whether or not you should even rent your house to someone who is an idolater. And some say you shouldn't even do that. But the second section here is really important. It says the Torah states you are not allowed to derive any benefit from idolatry. B'nai Yisrael, this, this basically, by the way, is true about all mitzvot. This is why Jews are not really allowed to work at non-kosher restaurants. Why? Because you're not allowed to derive benefit from breaking a mitzvah. So let's say that you're making hamburgers at a non-kosher restaurant, and you're putting cheese on those hamburgers. Well, you're not eating the cheeseburger, which would be a violation of the 
separation of meat and dairy is for law, by the way. Um, I have a whole teaching on that on the Star Shalom YouTube page, but we'll digress for a moment. Um, but you're not allowed to serve that because in serving it, you're being, you're getting paid to serve it, and therefore you're actually permiss- participating in a in a violation of Torah and benefiting from it. You're not allowed to do that. So anyway, it says the Torah says. Uh, B'nai Israel, you are to reject it as abominable. They are to treat these images the way that we treat an unclean animal. Moreover, they should refer to these idols disrespectfully uh, if it bears a pleasant-sounding name. So quite to the contrary of most modern theological thinking, where they want to take idolatry, our idolatrous festivals, celebrations, and somehow, you know, make them okay, make them secular, uh, whatever. Um, the Torah actually says the reverse. We're not to be okay with it. We're to abhor it. We're con- con- to consider it an abomination. We're not allowed to derive benefit. Um, it says here, from the very moment that the idolater has designated any object as part of his worship, a Jew is forbidden to use it, even though it has not yet been actually employed in pagan worship. That's a comment from Naomi Webb. Let's look at a few other highlighted comments. Um, it says, um, it is forbidden, man, this is actually written in Ma'am Moed's commentary here, it is forbidden to keep any Christian symbols in one's house. Now this is talking about the crucifix, it says the crucifix is constructed for worship and so must be treated as, as a forbidden object. So this is what Ma'am was is talking about here, talking about a crucifix or a cross is an act of worship among Christians, and therefore is considered a, a, uh, an image of idolatry. And if you think about it, in our modern time, you're, you're, you're traveling behind a car or a truck or something like that. What do they have, especially here in Texas? I, I can speak in our great state of Texas. A lot of times you have a bumper sticker, and it's the image of a cross, and it's a cowboy, and he's dismounted from his horse, and he is kneeling to the cross. Now, I understand the person who put that on there is, uh, I understand their, their, their intention of what they're trying to say. But the reality of that image is that you have somebody bowing down to an image. And there's no way around that. And uh, and so we're not allowed to do that. Again, I understand the person's intention uh, who, who put that sticker on their car um, or their truck. But the fact of the matter is, we're not allowed to kneel before any image, any image whatsoever, any graven image, whether it's a cross, a statue, uh, a stick, um, any, a, a bush, a plant, a sun, stars, moons, anything of that nature. It says, one is forbidden to listen to music played as an accompaniment of idol, idol, uh, idol worship, or to gaze at its decorations, or to even smell the fragrant spices or flowers used as adornment. There's also a discussion here about facial figures. That there, these are figures which are often placed at water pipes or taps where water flows to drinking purposes. Often, it is the mouth of a figure of this sort that serves as the opening of where the water comes out. You've seen that before where it's maybe the face of a, a child or, or the face of a cherub or the sun or something of that nature, and the water comes out of the mouth of that uh, device. We're not allowed uh, to use those. As these figures were placed in the positions described for decorative rather than any religious person, which 
It said, a Jew should endeavor to avoid placing his mouth near the figure, since it would appear as if he were paying homage to it. So, I mean, you're not allowed to have this, but God forbid, even if you came across the fountain and you were thirsty, you should not put your face near it to, to drink the water, because it would appear as if you were actually paying homage to it. It says, any vessel that has a function in idolatrous practice may not be used in a synagogue. The rugs, now listen to this. Now, this is really important. I want to point this out because within Judaism today, there is a disagreement as to whether or not Islam is idolatrous. And the reason is because Ram Baum wrote in his commentaries that Islam was not idolatrous. However, not everybody agreed with Ram Baum. Now, today, Ram Baum is considered authority, but not in his day. He wasn't. And a lot of what Rambam wrote in terms of those kinds of things were kind of political in nature, because Rambam was the was the chief physician to the Sultan. And he was living in a Muslim country called Egypt. And that would have been awkward if he was would have called Muslims idolaters, is since he was the uh, chief physician to the Sultan, and he was, if you read this story, or listen rather to the story of Rambam, he was just trying to find a place where he wasn't going to get killed at this time, which is admirable. So, a lot of what he wrote was just political in nature. I mean, even Rabbi Mizrahi talked about this. But this is another, Bam Loez is another leader and scholar. And this is what he said. Any vessel that has a function of idolatrous practice may not be used in a synagogue. The rugs upon which Muslims prostrate themselves during their prayers should not be found in a synagogue or any other place where you pray. Why? Because it's an item of idolatry. All right, so a couple more things here as we're wrapping up. Pictures of the sun, moon, and stars are similarly forbidden, whether they are engraved or embossed. One is permitted to bless... Uh, I'm sorry. One is not permitted to gain monetarily from idolatry. And in fact, if we do so, that is considered a grave sin. A Jew, not, a Jew cannot benefit, even indirectly, from pagan worship. So there's a few insights to that. There is more to share tomorrow as we discuss uh, a little bit more about Birkat Hamazon, what it means to uh, receive everything from God, every mitzvah from God's mouth. So much more. Don't miss any of the Aliyah today. I want to thank you for joining me this morning as we have our time of learning. Please uh, like this video. Don't forget to subscribe. Click the little bell button. And most importantly, don't forget to join us tomorrow. We'll see you then. Until then, have a blessed, wonderful, and amazingly glorious day. Shabbat shalom.